0: What's going on everybody welcome back into yet another solo episode of the dogs basketball podcast nick malone here on this tuesday to recap the loss that was this past saturday ending our seven game winning streak with a lot of other stuff including the typical around the valley i will have takeaways of this game that i'll dive into first typical takeaways monday teleconference the weekly one that zoom call that coaches do some other news around the Valley, more seeding probability updates with some other added stuff. With that, uh, some other things I want to dive into, some quote-unquote NBA Salukis. I guess it's G League Salukis. Got a couple of those, and I'll talk about another. Uh, obviously, talking about the game, Noah and I were at the Highland Tournament this past Saturday. I will dive into that tournament, and obviously, how Kennard Davis Jr. did in the main event. Uh, and then, like I said, touch on some other stuff, and then I will dive into the Sycamores, the 6-0 Red Hot leading the way in the Missouri Valley. Getting love also. I, some bracketologists have them. I'll discuss where they have them ranked. They are the automatic qualifier from the Valley in here, and I will dive into a lot of stats. Total flip-flop, and I'll mention it again. A total flip-flop of what, where they are in the country in stats than Northern Iowa was, and I'll also dive into where all these teams rank in the Valley, clearly, of who's who's where, ranking-wise, of the 12 teams, and I'm actually watching Belmont and Valpo right now, with Valpo in early lead, so I'll dive into the other games tonight and tomorrow, which we all played on the same day, but it's quite all right, we get to watch these other matchups, so... I'll keep that. I'll keep you guys updated with that when I get to that point and then obviously everything else. So let's start off with this game. We, like I said, Noah and I were at the Highland Tournament, go to stream it, and we did do that at 1 o'clock. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's been snowing in Northern Iowa. Just a weird trip. I mean, obviously we do not. I don't even think I went over some of the other details of the uh, – I was kind of – I said in a rush and I kind of was near the end whenever I would be previewing Northern Iowa Friday night. So I have some things I probably missed out on, but everybody pretty much knows what they're about, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, <clears throat> and clearly, you know, they're unbelievable at home. We can't win there. We are now two and 14 at the McLeod center. Didn't know that stat beforehand. I knew we didn't win there, but two and 13 before now, two and 14. Unbelievable. So diving into some other stuff beforehand, we mentioned how I'll just say it now because thinking he was gonna play and Noah had him as dog of the game, Scotty Abube did not play in this game, and I you know, talking about the reasons why was, you know, the matchups, but that's what we always say with Kate is he's seven foot, he doesn't match up with guys six eight that can run the floor. We know both of our guys that I just the aforementioned guys I just said there can run the floor and they can affect a game. So why not have them in a game that they would have to prepare against a seven footer and a six ten two hundred eighty pounder? Like that can change the game. It could slow the game down in their place. Playing we could play in the half court. Give it to those guys. Just find some better action. Got to use these kids and maybe you know maybe Scotty. I mean nobody asked Brian after the game why Scotty didn't play so. I guarantee it was a matchup thing. I don't think he would have a setback after playing. And while he didn't play in the second half of Drake, uh, and we know he played in that game because of foul trouble, we didn't have that really in this game. But the fact that we didn't see him was kind of odd. So it's it's just the wishy-washy rotations as we know they are. It's kind of weird. I wish somebody would ask him about it. Uh, maybe we'll get an interview about it tomorrow because I'd say Scotty could clearly play in that game. So. That was the biggest takeaway pregame. Like I said, we were watching and weren't able to listen. Every time we go to have a home game, we're always driving and be able to hear the radio before they even make any tweets about it so we know about it. But obviously, yeah, Scotty did not play throughout the whole game. So, I mean, I don't really want to go through all the play-by-play because I know – you know, like I said, we were streaming it most of it, honestly. But I mean, just in terms of the how this game ended up, I, I guess I'll go through some stuff. I mean, Bo and Bourne had a three right off the jump on their first possession because there was a miscommunication. I think Clarence and whoever was guarding him, uh, you know, he and Clarence kind of gave up, thought he was retry, going back to the big, and the guard wasn't. They weren't in sync, so then Clarence went back a little and then tried to get back to to contest his three, but he bet he. Nailed it. So he was up 5 nothing just like that. X had a turnover. So the main part of all this is the fact that we did not start well at all. And Brian mentioned after the game that it was, you know, for the 30 of the 40 minutes we were not playing well. And that was definitely the case. I mean, the biggest thing of this, and I didn't have it as a takeaway, just remembering the fact our bench had, I think we had we had seven points at one point, and our bench had all of them. Dalton came in, had a three. JD was amazing once again, had a layup, had two straight layups, and they were both his typical kind of reverse layups. And that's what I remember most about JD last year. And a lot of his good moments is his ability to finish. If it's not a dunk, he is a crafty finisher, really with his left hand. I'd say with any hand, but he's got like the, just the touch with his left hand that he's able to finesse around the rim and get the reverse layups. He had a couple of those back-to-back. And, you know, James Betts, I mean, whoever the heck they started didn't matter. Titan Anderson made a three. He was one and four for the game, I think. Can't shoot it. You know, I'm not saying we'll let him shoot it, but I mean, by, his defense was phenomenal in this game. But, uh, you know, Betts came in, made a three. Jawan, thankfully, made a three. Of course, But before that, Jawan made up for – the you know because before that he fouled Bowen on a three which of course Bowen's gonna make all of his free throws and uh, which by the way actually I'm I'm one of those because I think we had spotty connection in that Highland gym so I had to get out of it and come back in it a lot I remember I it it cut out or paused or froze as soon as JD had this second layup and he did get fouled and and he made the layup so. Like I said, the bench had our first seven points. It was uh, a Dalton, Dalton's three, J.D.'s five points, and then Jawan's eight or three. So we really had eight of our first points until Clarence had a layup, which was kind of a throw-in layup. But I mean, we were, you know, after Jawan hit his three, Duax had a jumper, and then there was nothing, just bad offense again. And then Landon Wolf came in, had a three, Clarence, like I said, had that tough finishing layup. Uh, Foster came and made a three, cut it to six. So, you know, it would be 11-point deficit, and then we cut it, and then we get back to nine or so. It's just a lot of Bowen. J.D. was phenomenal. He had more points here. Marcus had a dunk, which it was a fast-break dunk that he had on a steal. Uh, and Marcus was obviously not great in this game, one of his worst games in terms of needing his production. Lance made a couple free throws. That's really one of the definitely one of the things Lance is doing well right now. Uh, so we cut it the seven. Call Henry had a layup. Dalton made a three with forty seconds left, and that's where the ha- and that's where the score was at half was thirty five to twenty nine. Obviously, and just a terrible start. You you dig yourself a hole, and you know at this halftime score, I'm pretty sure that was. Let me go. I don't. Let me go look. I want to say going back to obviously Murray, which kicked you know jump started. Um, uh, so I guess that would be five straight. Evansville, we clearly had the lead. Let me go back to the first Indiana State game. Yeah, we had. We were down by eleven at half to Indiana State at Murray State. Down. We were up. Okay, that was the one game we were up by three at Murray. That's right. I thought it was so many in a row. So, you know, however many of on our win streak? But we were down. Belmont, we were down at half. Drake, we were down at half, and then, uh, and then obviously in this game down at half. So it was just a lot of. Uh, just you just can't have it. Like you dig yourself a hole to start the game, which obviously what we've been doing uh so far this year. So, you know, and give you and I credit. They were making shots. They were I'd say feeding off the crowd. The crowd well, I don't think it was anything special. I wasn't listening to it. But I it wasn't like how they were last year with uh wasn't anything like last year when they were really good. And and they're they're on a roll right now. So they're obviously young. We talked about that. Uh, but it didn't matter. And they were playing well and we were not playing well. Like I said, we're cursed in that place. And there was a record there was a record that they said, you know, what we were even what our record was before the McLeod Center came around. There had obviously a place before that. And we were awful in that place too, I think, and two and fourteen now in, in this place. So uh like I said, another game trailing at the half, thinking of course, you know, it's really been the case, but we're able to claw back in games. We were able to do that in the second half. Uh, you know, to soften, you know, James Betts had a dunk to start off. X made a three, one of his top of the key deep threes, cut at the seven. I mean, X had his own 5 0 run for them. Clarence went one of two from the line. Bowen, who was just beating everybody off the dribble, had a layup. So we were done by 14 just like that. There's a lot of scoring in between there for them. And it was 14 until Lance made free throws, cut at the 12. And then Troy made a three, cut at the nine. Lance, jump shot, cut at the seven. Back, And then a layup for him, cut at the five. So here are five, ten. I feel like every single game, whether we're leading or losing, the ten-minute mark in the second half is always the biggest tell of where a game is. Slew cut at the two with ten minutes left. There's been so many other examples. I think it was in the Murray game. We had a lead ten-minute mark, and we started to blow it just a little bit. There's been other examples as well. And so at that point, Okay. How about you get a stop? Landon Wolf jump shot. Bowen Bourne, layup. Next thing you know, down by nine. Lance had a layup, thankfully. Bowen made a three. It was That was a three that got everybody going. That kind of hurt us, obviously. Seven and a half minutes, ten-point ten game. Lance, a couple free throws. This is what Lance was doing. He was getting to the rim. He was our best player in this game, but a lot of his scoring was from the free throw line. X, thankfully, had a layup, so cut it to six again with six and a half. Lance free throws, cut it to four. 54 to 50 at six minutes. What do you know? Boneborn goes down, jump shot six. Marcus had a jumper. One of his few field goals in this game. Cut it back to four. Trey Campbell layup. Marcus, so it was just back and forth. We kept it. It was four, six, four, six, four. And then it was two when X made two free throws when he got fouled by Titan Anderson. Hey, get a stop. Three, three three-minute mark, huh? You're able to claw back in the second halves. Cole Henry layup. Four points. Lance, one of two from the line, so it's three. Hey, get a stop. Marcus fouled Titan Anderson. He made both free throws. Five points, a minute 47 left. Cole Henry, lay a, and I think we honestly gave up watching because we were obviously at the event, and as soon as it got out of hand, we, we cut it off. So it got to eight. Titan Anderson was killing. It was just free throws galore. Titan made went one of two. Uh, Bowen made four straight. Then it was 12, and that was the final score. And then Marcus missed a three near the end of the game. Wasn't enough, clearly. The whole team wasn't enough. Whatever we cut it. We this was the one and this was weird. We've called back against three other better teams. And you and I is just a different animal at home. And they have another home game tonight. See how they do. But just it's different animal. And, you know, in the first half they were Bets and wolf were just stowing in threes. It was and Duax, they were just throwing in threes, it seemed like. And there's really, there are times, nothing you could do, but I mean, this was the Bowen Bourne show, no doubt about it. Jumping to the box score. Let me go to theirs first. I mean, have mercy. Bowen had 27 points, 8 of 15, 32 minutes, 8 of 15, perfect from the free throw line. Didn't do a whole lot else. He had four fouls on himself, 27, though. He was, they only had two and double figures. Even Titan. Titan shot three of 10, had 10 and 10, 10 points, 10 rebounds. Wasn't great. He played thirty-eight minutes, but it was the Bets. Bets had five. Duax had six. Campbell had six. Cole Henry off the bench seven. Land uh, Wolf eight off the bench. So, I mean, just the all these young guys coming in making a difference. Cole Henry had seven and twelve rebounds. Five offensive rebounds for Cole Henry. It's awful, but Bowen led the way. With I mean, we usually say okay, a lot of his twenty-point scoring in the Valley or in games from the free throw line. He's a he's a great free throw shooter. He's a great player. Nine of nine, so but he still had 18 different points, you know, from elsewhere to get him to that number. So And they shot 48% from the field, 43% from three. They only took 14, and they were 13 of 19 from the line. I mean, we got out-rebounded by 10 by this team, which is insane. And for us, Clarence, 11 minutes, I'll get into Clarence. And it's really just the emergence of JD, how great JD's playing. 17 minutes for JD, seven points, four rebounds. Maybe not as great as he, the previous games when he had 19 total. Uh, but he, he was just, he's just scoring the ball. And, you know, Clarence only had two fouls in this back to back games of Clarence, 11, 11 minutes and not doing anything really. He, I think he had to get one point in the last game, free throw against Drake, and the three in this game. And again, you'll get lucky some games where Clarence doesn't score your win and you call it back in this one still lost. He had three points and I'd say, okay, we'll lose if Clarence doesn't score. So been kind of a rough patch for Clarence offensively. And you know, his, his offense is way ahead of his defense right now. That's an understatement, I think, but we've said it before. And I'd still say it's the case that even how he's playing the last two, we need, we need him. He's arguably our third best player. So. Need to do more. I don't think you change anything up with him and J D. You don't bring JD. Me and Noah kinda of talked about this and just because I know they wanted to the start a JD from the get go, then now that he's playing really well, they're gonna throw him back in there. And on our winning streak, it's like why ruin it kind of thing. And Clarence's production could be really good off the bench with Scotty, but uh I'd say you still roll with what you do and like it's now that the winning streak's over, I guess you can change it up, but uh, something to monitor i think but i don't think you should mess with it still have jd's production off the bench would be nice so those are those two's foster 11 minutes played out didn't play in drake played in this one clearly three points with the one three only got two shots off let's finish the starting five though trent brown one foul and this is the thing this is trent's worst game of the year because he this was the least amount of minutes besides maybe a game he was in foul trouble five minutes for trent can't happen this was a guard-heavy, forward-heavy game that he could have been able to play in. If he's only playing five minutes, that's a, that's a thing. You get the other productive guys off the bench and you don't want Trent off the bench because then I think Brian was asked about it, either the last game or this game. I don't remember what he said. Uh, but obviously Trent's leadership and stuff sticks out and you want to have that out there and because he can defend and he can shoot. We've talked about it endlessly, but five minutes, no points, I mean, that's four straight games he hasn't scored, right? I'm pretty sure. Game log. He He has not scored in five straight games. He scored nine against Chicago. Okay, he scored a total of 15 against the three bad teams and then had six against Indiana State, six against SLU, 11 against Evansville, three against Cal Baptist. He scored in every other game before this. Just the last five, he hasn't. He's not really in foul trouble. His minutes... 10, 13, 14, 5. Just clearly not good. You need more from him. He did have a three, missed it. He did have a rebound, an assist, and a foul. Just not enough, clearly. Clearly. We need every guy to come in and produce and score. And I know some guys do their part differently, but you need points out of guys. And Trent's only playing five minutes. He might as well not play. He might as well play AJ We're Glad Foster played. He kind of took Trent's place in this game, which thankfully that's what needs to happen a lot more, honestly. Marcus 38 minutes. Only got nine shots Up 0 for 4 from 3. Had some good looks again. Uh, but Titan Anderson was all over him. And Marcus, I think, has always struggled against Northern Iowa. And that was one of my short takeaways was just the fact that he wasn't himself. He got doubled a lot. you know. And that's what Brendan talked about. Brendan was on the teleconference for Brian, and he was on in the doghouse. So I'll touch on maybe that near the end, uh, which was weird. I guess Brian just wanted to take. And we've seen other coaches fill in. I just remember, I think it was... Last Monday, Jacobson had one of his assistants fill in for him, but he had something to do. I'm sure Brian, obviously, maybe has had something happen that he just had to deal with, that he couldn't do it. Um, But it's just, you know, it's just strange. And with uh, Marcus and Titan Anderson shutting him down at 6'6", and he's every bit of him. Titan Anderson's stud. And he's every bit of a lockdown kind of guy. Like I said, Marcus has kind of struggled against you and I in his career. So we got doubled, missed some easy shots again. Brian touched on that, missed some easy shots. And honestly, I noticed it more and more. Marcus got a haircut. And I honestly, it just reminds me. I feel like every time, Mark, I could be wrong on this. This is just me blabbing. I feel like every time he's gotten a haircut, we've either lost or have gone on a losing streak. I don't know. Clearly he was playing well. He gets a haircut. He's not the same. And it's just one of those superstitious, dumb things, honestly. But I feel like we're, our record isn't good historically when he has a haircut. Just something. But he obviously didn't play well, and I think this matchup was okay for him. I mean, Titans. If Titans, you know, in about th- in about three games from tomorrow. Donovan Clay is going to get his crack at Marcus and and that's games on the road. And I can't see that one going well for him. If if he's struggling against tight, he's going to struggle against Donovan Clay. No doubt about it. So eight points for Marcus, two steals, four assists, six rebounds. Did a lot. Clearly you can't get up nine shots. And the guy who shot the most was Lance Jones, 36 minutes. He did have 17 to lead the way. Nine of them from the free throw line. He was nine of 10 from the free throw line. 0 of 6 from 3, 4 of 12 from the field. Had two steals, two assists, three rebounds, just and four turnovers. It's clearly not enough. Um, and, I, I mean, those guys, those guys have to carry I remember, I think I said X in this game because he had to guard Bowen. Obviously, didn't matter. Uh, X was good at times, 24 minutes, only got up four shots. Perfect from the free throw line. They cut at the two at one point in the game. No assists, though. He's really not doing that. He is rebounding. He had two, had four turnovers himself and seven points. So our starting lineup did awful. Here's our bench: Troy hit that three, JD seven, Foster the three, Dalton six. Those two threes, and then Jawan only had three. So just not a whole lot of production. You only score fifty-seven points, but your defense was not good in this game. We mentioned their pack line defense gave us fits. You know we've talked about that in the past, and but they're so young, you got to take advantage of this game and. I want to say the team they're playing tonight could take advantage of that. Missouri State took advantage of them at their place. And we know you and you I's won five of six. But this is a game with how hot you were and you wanted to stay near the top of the standings. You needed, you know, to come out on top and just play better in certain moments and not let them get to you. And you needed to defend them better. But it was just the bone born show. So team stats, we shot 42%. I mean, awful. They shot 48. Shot 25 from three. Awful. They shot 43, as I mentioned earlier. We were 15 of 20 from the line, though, which was good, 75%. They were 13 of 19, 68%. Like I said, they out-rebounded us by 10. They had 10 offensive rebounds. And I want to say the stats, I took them away now. I'm not sure about it. They are—they don't rebound. Like the team I'm watching right now, who's up 11 right now, Belmont, they don't rebound, but they're offensively efficient. I is kind of – Not great at a lot of things. And I I think, I don't even remember what they were good at, but rebounding I don't think was, you know, one of those. It's just crazy. Ten offensive boards. That clearly was the advantage to make it ten because we only got our our rebounded and defensive rebounds. Both had nine assists. We had nine steals in this game. They had eight, so they almost matched us, and that's a lot. 17 steals in a game is a lot. One block apiece, and we had 14 turnovers. They had 13. And we never had a lead in this game. Our third biggest was fourteen in that second half. So, and we never had a lead. We were one and a half point favorites, of course. One twenty six didn't touch it. Uh, which I say it didn't touch it. What was this? This was one hundred and twenty three. So I guess it got it got pretty close. I suppose unless my math's really wrong, one hundred twenty six. Sorry. So, uh, timeout. Let me do this math real fast. Hang on. It actually got right on it, huh? One twenty. The over/under was one twenty-six. The number hit one twenty-six. Incredible. I didn't think it was close, just because it was low scoring. But holy gosh! So a lot of people maybe got whatever they took on that. It got exactly that's the definition of a push. So that's funny. But this is an awful game. I mean, you can't come out flat like this in their building. I mean, everyone's been talking about how bad it was. And we get a quick call from Brian in here. He said. He said, quote, give credit to Northern Iowa. They played better than us today, no doubt about it. We didn't play our best basketball, and we can't take an extended amount of time off and expect to come back and win, end quote. I think that's all he had. I mean, or he said here, quote, there wasn't much momentum apart from a six- to eight-minute gap there. I just don't think we played very well and give credit to Northern Iowa, end quote. So that was about our slow start in the first and second half. So you dig yourself a hole, and we thought we were a good road team this year. We'll definitely find out if we are tomorrow. But this was just a game where you, you had advantages, clearly, and you were red hot. And a lot of that had to do with Marcus just not getting enough shots up. He played scared, his typical scared. I and mean, he was leading the player of the year race, but I'd say not after this. And the way – I mean, you and I, 4-2 in conference, tied with – I'll get to it, tied with a lot of other teams. Bowen Bourne should be leading the way. 27 against one of the best defensive teams. So so we'll see. So some other take. I mean, some other takeaways of this – uh, Land, I mentioned Lance's free throw shooting is getting much better. I wanted to look at the number of the the number, his number now from the free throw line. I wonder what it is. Uh, he is shooting now seventy five and a half percent, which his re- he's only he's forty or fifty three. That's clearly really good. So he's improved his free throw shooting. And huh, what do you know? I mentioned every single year Lance has to get better at something. And like, and but I I said the first three years he was like that he needs to put it all together now. And this year, struggling at a lot of other stuff, but he's really good at his free throws. You like I said, that's a career high for him. So, uh, and I mean, every single year, listen to this his first three years of, of free throws per season freshman year 92, which was 63 percent on the year, sophomore year 96 attempts, 71 percent, and then last year 95 attempts, 56.8 percent. So he's getting better in that regard. He's on pace to, I think, the way he, the way we want him to play, he should obviously get more and more free throws. Still, we still might get skittish when he's shooting them at the end of games, but we can count on him for that right now. So he's on pace to have the same amount this year, and hopefully have a way better percentage. So that was one of the takeaways. Um, and Lance said after the game that he had to rally the guys a lot because Mike mentioned about being local or being vocal in a lot of the huddles and he said that he had to be he had to be vocal and had to rally the guys to make sure that they weren't giving up in this game and that's obviously a good leader and if he's doing that then Trent can sit down that's for sure because I thought Trent would bring that all the guys are going to talk about it. I'm sure Clarence says it uh and I'm sure all the guys say it but you need a guy that's you know Mike pointed it out I'm sure Mike would point it out a lot of the time even though it seems like a kind of generic and thing you know thing that all players should do on teams is to be that kind of vocal leader and so he said that he had to do that to make sure i'm not saying that he maybe he thought in the moment that they were get go- were going to give up but he had to know because he said that brian told the team a lot that you can come back on this team and we were able to at times and they showed why they were young and that's what just lance was talking about and he got the guys to do that at times before it got away at the very end uh one thing you and I was doing on offense is they they got it at the top of the key-ish and just having guys roll off screens, you know, fake handoffs and rolling off screens at, I say the top of the key, like maybe the top of the free throw line of a big just in bets or Cole Henry just standing there. And then they were able to get some easy looks back door, and Bowen was able to just get right, on, right around the screen if he did get the handoff and just take it to the rim or a floater or something. And that was the one thing. Boneborn is very elite. He's arguably the best guard in the conference. He can score the ball. He can do a lot more things. He's he's perfect offensively. And we thought we could get him fits with our, with our guard defense in this game. And Missouri State gave him fits. I'm, I don't know if they've played Bradley yet. I think they might have. But, you know, other great defensive teams are going to maybe have a better game plan than what we had. We just couldn't stop them. And I know our defense is spotty at times. And clearly it's got to win us a lot of games. So... Wasn't good on him. He is very elite. I mentioned J.D. was great once again. Cutting into what Clarence is doing. If they can both give us around, it's sketchy to count on close to 10 points from J.D. You can get it from Clarence, I think. The way J.D.'s finishing, though, you never know. So five to 10 points from both of those guys, and Scotty works his way in, does the exact same as he slowly but surely gets his minutes back. Uh, Overall, I think in this game for sure, and it was mentioned amongst the team, they just out-toughed us. you You were watching and even us streaming it. They were, you know, I think there were some loose balls that both teams were diving after, but they were just roughing us up and just way more tough than we were. All but maybe four or five seconds left in our comeback. So, it's just awful. And I, I think, I don't know if Mike had stats update or not. I mentioned we were 2 of 14 at the Cloud Center. So, a game you want to wash, a, a team that's red hot in Northern Iowa, to be honest, but still a team you should beat. And on the road, maybe not as much, but you definitely need to beat them when they come back to Bantarrison or whenever it is and get revenge. It's all about revenge now. I mean, this was only our second conference lost and we're hoping to look that revenge tomorrow. Uh, but that's what it should be. If you, you know, if you split with the team, which you should split with all the really good teams, try to sweep them. If you can, you know, we have the advantage on the Drakes, the Murray States and the Belmonts, and we still haven't even played the Bradley's of the world. And, Bradley, Missouri State are the other top half teams that we just haven't played yet. So it's all wait and see. But this was a game you needed for sure. A tough one on the road to end our seven-game winning streak, as I said. So let's dive in. And like I said, some other games are happening right now. Let me go through what the other matchups were. Or maybe I can wait here. Let me Let, let me talk about the... Yeah. Okay. The teleconference happened. Like I said, nothing to take from it. Just the fact that it happened, which is good. I thought I had some stuff on it. I know shirts talked a little bit about us that, you know, we're we're obviously one of the top teams. We're well coached. All the, like the coach speak of how everybody talks about each other, no matter how they're playing or how good they are. Just kind of that stuff. There was a lot of Julian Larry talk on that. I'll dive into him. Obviously he's red hot. He's the biggest X factor they have. No, no doubt about it right now. Uh and the one thing I didn't notice in the teleconference, though, was every, like, Yachlich, Prome, and uh, Casey Alexander all mentioned how tough it is. And I think Steve Prohm, for sure, because they got busted in their game, I'll mention here in a second, that it's like, hey, you know, it's, and I listen to a Murray State podcast all the time because I like the guy who does it. Uh, and they're all just talking about, hey, this isn't the OVC. If you're 4-2 and two in the OVC, you see if the sky's falling. fallen. And you see some of these games, and they've talked about our game a lot, our matchup with them, and we beat them. And obviously this this loss they had the other night was huge, and they're just talking about how how much harder it really is. And it takes pride in knowing that we know how tough this conference is, that now they're acknowledging it, which is cool to see. Other than that, I didn't really have anything else to say about that aside from let me talk about this now. There was and it's been a lot of talk amongst a lot of people about – Uh, and I think this is one thing in the teleconference that David Ragland, uh, discussed was Evansville landing a four-star recruit recently. I want to say, I want to try and find it. Um, I want to say it was in who this kid is. He had offers from, I think, Illinois and a lot of others. I thought I had it here. I thought somebody sent it to me, but, uh... And so that's notable. Clearly, there's been talk about, you know, if you're getting looked at by and we saw a lot of really good high school players, If you're getting a four star. You know, how the heck are you? You know, obviously landing uh, four stars like this, especially a uh, like uh, obviously the in the state that Evansville is in, how can you land a really good talent like this? And obviously I would have to go a little bit to keep finding who this kid is and what had happened the other day. Bear with me here, okay? Here he is. His name is Chuck Bailey. He he mentioned. I want to thank every coach that has ever supported me and cared for me and helped me in my life. I want to say thank you to Coach Ragwin and Coach Marcus Wilson and the whole Evansville coaching staff for giving me this opportunity to play next at the at the next level. He is a six four uh, guard, combo guard, maybe out of Detroit. He's apparently been a lot Detroit, Arizona, and L A. I haven't seen any anything on him. It looks like he's got a nice wingspan for his size. He's a four star for a reason, and we know that's been talk amongst a lot of things. Maybe some some players are uh, you know maybe overdoing a little bit on what they are, but I think this kid because I'm looking at his thing now. He he can hit the three. He's got a low release point on his shot. I'm sure he's really athletic. And again, Evansville's maybe going to win one or two conference games this year, if that. And you get a kid like this, and that shows you the just the importance of recruiting. Because if you can build relationships, which is arguably the biggest thing nowadays, and with young coaching staffs like Evansville's is and how ours is, if you can build relationships, that shows a lot to a player, no matter what they're doing. Evansville, you know, and Raglan mentioned, and he was asked about it, and he's not going to mention specific recruits or anything, but um, the fact that they're trying to build, he said they're trying to build Evansville back to what they had been in their historic program. Uh, So... He said that's important. So you want to build from within like that. And I think obviously over time and Noah Noah, if he, he was in here, he would talk about it, they got good recruits coming in uh for next year. So, you know, this is the first year of rankling, it's gonna not go well at all. And then maybe you can bounce back and rely on freshmen, get in the portal a little bit and maybe get better. So it's all a wait and see, but it is crazy you can get a four star when a guy looks at that with the current state of the program. But again, it's to some players that doesn't matter. It matters about if I can come in and contribute. And have have relationships with the staff, and that is very very important. So that's notable. Clearly, it's been a talk amongst a lot of people. Uh, adding to the talented uh, other class around you know twenty twenty three inside the valley, uh, and then okay, so let's d- let's dive into the let me talk about the games previously, and then I'll get into the games before tonight's games here. So games previously there was, let's see, here on Saturday. So, obviously, we lost. Indiana State on the road, beat UIC by 20, handled them pretty well to get to their undefeated record. Illinois State won at Evansville. I think in a semi-closed game, Raglan talked about how that game kind of got away from them a little bit, but they played well. Bradley killed Valpo on CBS Sports Network. I'm not sure why Valpo always gets on that channel. Beat them by 22 at Carver Arena. Uh, Belmont with a really nice win at home against Missouri State, who Missouri State had been rolling previously as well. Donovan Clay had 20 in that game, Chance Moore 12. Kay Tyson had 20 to lead the way for them. Though a lot of uh, double-digit scoring in Belmont started five. So a 13-point win for Belmont, which is huge. And then this one thought it was going to be a little better than this. The way Drake was playing, the way the other team had been playing as well. Drake demolishes Murray State by 18 points. It was really, to think, the first half. They apparently outscored it by 15 in the first half, and they only outscored Murray by three in the second. So they touched it up a little bit, but it was obviously too little too late. Jacoby Wood had 20. He's been playing really well for them, and Wilkins led them again with 17 points. So Drake got back in the win column. So let's segue now to the standings before tonight's games. Indiana State remains at 6-0. Listen to this. Us, Belmont, Bradley, Missouri State, Murray State, and Northern Iowa are all four and two. That's six teams at four and two in the league. All two games behind. And then you got the Drake. Like I said, back in the Wincomb, three-and-three. Illinois State's the only two and four team. UIC's the only one and five team. And then you got the Owen Sixes of Valpo and Evansville. Obviously, Illinois State's now got a two-game so they could obviously lose to us and still be looking pretty good, still leading the way for us. And I wanted to touch on some things before I get into the probabilities check of. I mean the home and road splits. I mean you look at it. I mean I'll read. Let me read off all the teams. Let me just read off the records, I'm not telling who it is. I'll 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 do some that are more notable. Us Indiana State are seven and one at home. Belmont six and one. Bradley nine and zero. Oh. Nine and zero at Carver Arena. Missouri State five and two. Murray five and one. Obviously the loss against us. You and I, weirdly, like I said, we're just cursed at that place. They are five and four at McLeod Center. Drake eight and zero at home. Mm-hmm. Illinois State tough place to play. Four and four. UIC's five and three. Valpo's five and three. We know that's a tough place to play. Evansville two and four at home. Listen to the road game. The road records. Indiana State. And I'll, and I'll dive into them. Maybe you know they've had some easy games along the way. I'll mention some of their best wins. Clearly, uh, they're four and two on the road. We're four and three. Belmont's three and four. Bradley two and three. Like I said, okay. So listen, to all those one records: nine and zero oh at home for Bradley. Two and three on the road. Missouri State five and two. Two and four on the road. Murray five and one at home. Two and five on the road. You get the gist. Drake eight and zero oh at home. Zero oh and five on the road. I mentioned Valpo at five and three at home. 0 and 7 on the road. So combined 0 for 12. Drake and Valpo are at home on the road, um, which I want to say, Drake is on the road at, on the road tomorrow, and Valpo is at home tonight as we stand. So we'll see about Drake. Valpo's will remain 0 and 7. And everyone else, I, the only above 500, it's us, Indiana State and Illinois State, of the only above 500 road records, and neutral neutral court. Obviously, some of those are better as well. But the point of the matter is. Every team is good at home, and every team is bad on the road. Bad. Besides us and Indiana State, everyone else is bad. I mean, Drake hasn't even won a true road game. We talked about that before, and we beat him. I mean, it's just insane. So that just shows you need to protect home court because you will not get – you'll get good performances by teams, clearly, but you'll be able to scrape it out. That's just historically how the league has – Now, been so far this year, and you just we talked about it. You need to protect home court, have the best crowds you possibly can to have that advantage. I wanted to touch on that because that's obviously huge. So, so now let's touch on Matt Hackman. He had the seeding probabilities now through six conference games, what it looks like. Uh, and percentage wise, I mean, we have an 18% chance to get the three and four, but by the 100,000. Probabilities, actual probabilities, we have the highest percentage to get to the four seed, or sorry, excuse me, three seed at 17,953. That's right ahead of 17,645 for the four. The highest, whatever, obviously is Indiana State still at the one. The highest two is Bradley. The highest three is us. The highest four is, um, what's well, weird is we actually have the highest four as well. So that's where it's weird. But the second behind us is Missouri State. The highest uh, five seed is Drake. The highest six seed is U and I or Belmont. Excuse me. The highest seven is U and I, and then so on and so forth. So we projected three seed. And I wanted to touch on something else. Matt had about these probabilities was the first round by hurdle. He said it shifted a little bit. If you go eleven and nine in conference, you obviously have no chance. 12 and 8, 25% chance. 13 and 7. So just a game difference. Look at that jump from 25 to 80. 12 and 8, 25%, 13 and 7, 80%. And if you go for at least 14 and 6, it's nearly guaranteed. So we are now four and two. It's gonna be tough one tomorrow. It could flip flop either way. Obviously it's important and that's you know, I feel like that's not too bad. There's a lot of bad teams. You can sweep a lot of the the other teams, and thankfully we've split with three top valley teams. So we put ourselves in a decent spot. It's just Indiana State obviously is half in their way and putting themselves ahead of everybody else to this point. So I wanted to touch on that. Uh so now let me get to this is everything within conference. So now let me get to let me talk about obviously through this many games, the stats between conference teams and who's leading and what who's doing what i'll touch on some more from indiana state what they are in the country team offense though they are first about 80 points a game guess who's ninth on this list us it's 66.59 team defense we are second behind bradley missouri state and drake are the top four that's the thing with indiana state they're ninth in team defense they allow about 69 whatever so so I'll dive in more to that. I mean, but Indiana state leads a lot of offensive stats and conference Bradley and rebounding margin. That's not surprising. We are eighth, uh, the best free throw shooting team. And I've seen that all around the nation, uh, the nation, nation stats is Illinois state's the best free throw shooting team at almost 80% at point seven nine eight percent Um, Indiana State leads in assists. Illinois State leads in turnovers per game with about 14.76. We are third on that list. Uh, turnover margin, Belmont. Obviously, they have almost three, or they have about, excuse me, like three less turnovers than their opponent. Uh, Indiana State leads assists to turnover ratio and a lot of other stuff. That's some other things, and... I really just wanted to pick out Indiana State because that's so that's our next opponent. There's some other people, and that's on the website. If people want to check that out about some of the rankings. I mean, we're around the middle of the pack. We are last in team offensive rebounds and about total, and obviously per game. Uh, other than that, I mean, we are uh, you know in the middle. That we're tops in a lot of defensive stuff. I mean, even in steals, even clearly we're third. Other than that, we're not going to be very high. And a lot of things, high in turnovers, high on defense, high on steals. Other than that, we're lowly in a lot of other offensive categories, and even blocks, and a lot of stuff. So, touched on some of that. Uh, Now, I mean, I mentioned some uh, some other things. Uh, Rocco Miller had, and he loves us apparently, in his new top 60 non-power conference teams. He has us in the third tier still at 14th and he has Indiana State at 18th, and maybe I'll get into the reason why he has them like that, and I'll dive into that, obviously, when I get to them, about maybe the reason why. Uh, Drake, he's still high on Drake, clearly, and they're still obviously really good, have been struggling, 12 in the second tier. Uh, Bradley, 25th. Uh, SAUE, 33rd. Belmont, thirty six, Murray State, 47th, uh, and That's all the... MVC teams in his, so like I said, he's still high on us, and we are, we jumped back in the mid-major top 25, even with our loss the other night, I think we were low 20s before this, now we're back down the 24th in the mid-major top 25 of the College Insider, whatever, so there's that, and now I want to get to an exciting little thing, I forgot to mention it, because like I said, I was kind of in a hurry on the previous pod, is. NBA Salukis, I made a tweet about Cash. He had like 11 points and shot really well from three and in general and previous games. And G League ball has actually started kicking off, tipping off, I guess you could say. And has been doing really well. And I'll start with Cash. He's on the Windy City Bulls. They are two and three on the year. But I want to jump into obviously how he's doing. We know he was still on there. Didn't think he was on there at times. And then we saw him on our feed, had to follow the Windy City Bulls. They play almost every other night. So, so far in five games cash, he's averaged about 21 minutes, uh, 12 points, which is really good. He's got almost a steal a game, barely only averages a turnover, one assist, two rebounds. Not, we know he doesn't do a whole lot of other things. He's 25% from the free throw, I guess not a whole lot of attempts there. Shooting 40% from three, though, and 41 from the field. So, we know he's a great th- three-point shooter, and that's helping his percentage so he's playing well, and the fact that he's in the G League, he's literally and a lot of injury. We know the Bulls are struggling in the NBA. There are, you know, a lot of injuries, and, you know, there are a lot of injuries and a, a tanking away from Cash Coupette making NBA debut if he keeps it up at seven points and three rebounds a game. So, I mean, that, obviously that's not, I mean, it's great. It says it says SIU on here, undrafted clearly, and has all of his everything. That's just awesome to see. Advanced stats of the G League, and we know it's a great opportunity for his home his hometown. Great opportunity for cash. Like I said, they've been playing constantly, so we'll be retweeting uh, when there's parts of him, or even tweets that the team account makes if he has a dunk or has a play or something. We'll retweet it And We'll talk about it. Everything. We'll have like a new update now on our G League Salukis, and I mentioned him and another one that. And I had it, and I guess I got to go back here. Another one that wasn't really sure, and actually I say it because they I, they had just played each other. Let me go back to G League stats and like the home page. They had just played each other. And obviously they wouldn't know one another. Uh, if I can find the team stats, I don't know why these are always so. Uh, frustratingly that I got to look through all this. So let's go. Let's go to the teams. That's just, it's just a mess here. Let me go back to the main screen where all the games happen. Let me refresh it. I just talked about Cash and what they had been doing on the Nets G League team, which is the, they apparently don't play tonight. They are the Long Island Nets. Guess who's on this roster? None other than a guy we've been talking about who's going to make, I kind of mentioned on the last one about, Noah and I around March Madness time, we're going to maybe make a round of 32 bracket of best Salukis, make a first, second, third team, you know, post 2000 of best SLU players on those teams and who fits the teams better. And generally talk about guys we could need right now. Two of them I'll mention here. The first one, though, KV on Pippen. We remember, you know, Coach Clancy mentioned, you know, a month or so ago about the G League draft and guys that were going to. Potentially be drafted, and we did see Cash did, did not see Kavion did. And I guess he just still ended up on a team, and he is on the New Jersey net or on the uh, Long Island Nets with a lot of other players that we're familiar with. And Kavion, though, obviously amazing to see. We knew he was playing overseas. It's good to see him back in the States. And so far for him, he's averaging eight points, six rebounds, two assists. Awesome. He's played in eight games so far. He's a 44% free throw shooter, but other than that, he's doing, he's getting about uh, 16 minutes a game with those eight points. So, and a, and a turnover, but the fact that he's on this team with a lot of d- other decent bigs, and it's just awesome to see Southern Illinois on there. And again, we know when he made the G League on the Warriors, he was dunking on Dwight Howard in preseason and then went overseas, now he's back. And we could really use him on our team now. It's It's funny to talk about and think about, but man. It's good just to, to see him and Kay. Like I said, they played each other the night. I think, and they don't, obviously don't know each other. Uh, awesome. We have two guys in the G League, which we talk about overseas. And Aaron Cook's playing good overseas. A lot of guys are, but it's NBA's the goal. And these guys are fighting like heck in the G League and playing well. Like I said, they're just one phone call away. So I had to touch on Kavion in here, and I had I mentioned the third one is Armand. We know he got drafted by the Salt Lake City or the jazz G league in Salt Lake city and his profile picture. And he's been tweeting a little bit recently and his profile picture is still him in his uniform, but I didn't see him on the roster. So that's unfortunate. We know he's good. We know we can play obviously in the G league and hopefully over time we can find that maybe we could see him on there at some point. So, uh, like I said, that'll be a, that'll be a, every podcast thing of updating how all these guys are doing KV on and cash to this point and their status every other game. Like I said, they play every other night, like the NBA teams do, but they're only maybe 10 games in, so it's good. A lot of season for those guys. So now I want to touch on where we were this weekend. Like I said, streaming the game while we're at the Highland tournament, going to see Kennard, where we usually go every year. Hadn't gone the previous two due to COVID reasons for the tournament, but it's the best turn, one of the best tournaments in the country. A lot of important players go here, and that's what it was. We got there before an 11 o'clock game to watch a lot of good players, a lot of good teams uh, play. And honestly, there were a lot, and there was actually one player that we talked about, and I don't think I had previously mentioned it at all on the uh, preview. But there is a player going to Indiana State that we got to look out for. His name is Cameron six 6'8 senior on, on Staley. They are out of um Missouri, Kansas City Staley, going to Indiana State. And he won the player of that game. They beat uh they beat East St. Louis, who had a really good player that's going to Kansas State. Uh outplayed him and by playing a lot of people. He has Caden Fish on his team, which as we know we recruited. He's going to Iowa State, and then they had Kyan Evans. So that triplet on that team, and we know Kyan Evans is going to Colorado State. Uh, so and they played really well. Busted East St. Louis, honestly, they were just head and shoulders better. So that was a team, but that player going to Indiana State's a problem. You had Robbie with this kid. This kid was running the floor, doing the dirty work. He was talented, signing autographs out of the game or after the game for with kids. So he's a talent and that he'll be a problem next year in the Valley. And that we mentioned how they do have a player going there, but he was really, really good. You know, we saw a bunch of other good players. I mentioned some players that we were in on. I mean, Cole Serta was one of the first games that we saw. I think I saw recently he's taking an unofficial visit to Wisconsin here soon. We know, you know, Loyola, us, uh, Indiana State, Drake, Bradley, a lot of uh, listed on here, all of these Valley teams. But we know Brad Underwood went to see him the night before – you know, Friday night went to go see Cole play before he played the next day. So Cole is going to be end up being out of our reach, and he he had a good game. His team lost, but he played well. Uh, obviously, he still got a couple years left, which is kind of crazy. Over time, he can maybe grow into a a Big Ten level player. Uh, obviously, we got to watch uh, Illinois signee and a North Carolina signee, both juniors playing for Saint Rita out of Illinois. Uh, James Brown going to UNC and Morez Johnson going to Illinois. They're both in the same team and they lost in their game and they lost to Chaminade who I thought was going to get blown out. And Chaminade is so well coached and found a way. They had a lot of good players. They have a player going to SEMO, who I think was a player of the game in that game. Uh, BJ Ward, who yeah, is going to SEMO and he was tough. He was a good point guard. He's a tough guy that Brad corn's going to get in there. Um, uh, so they kind of underwhelmed. They didn't really play up to the. I expected them to dominate, and like I said, their team lost. Uh, R. Griffin had a really tough-nosed player on their team. We know they're really good at football. And then a uh, Pennsylvania team, Imhotep, has the number two player in the, in the uh, country of 2023. Uh, Justin Edwards committed to Kentucky. He kind of underwhelmed. He had his moments, but they lost to Chicago Simeon. Guess who's on there? As everybody might know, are the Reuben twins, Miles going to Loyola and Wes going to uh, Northern Iowa, unfortunately. So, you know, and the, both those guys are really good, no doubt about it. I, I think I think Miles won the player of the whatever, but him and Wesley were going at it with Justin Edwards. It was a really fun game. Uh and they beat, I think, Amhotep. Both of them are ranked in the top 20 in the country now, but Amhotep was ranked really high. So, you know, they had to the travel a long way, wasn't used to. A lot of things can play into how a team loses, but Chicago Semion clearly is very good. So uh, There's a player who's getting recruited by Simo Jadis Jones on New Madrid, Missouri. There's a lot of, just a lot of really good players uh in this tournament as always. And like I said, the, the Indiana State commit is something. And we know we play SEMO every year. And that Shamanad, uh, BJ Bell or uh BJ Ward's gonna end up being a problem for SEMO, obviously. They can get those scrappy guards or have to replace some and he'll add to that. So overall a really great tournament, but I didn't even talk about the main game and that was Kennard and Vachon facing off against Moline. Which has Brock Harding we recruited. He's going to Iowa along with his teammate Owen Freeman committed to Iowa. Both ranked in the one hundred forties in the country. We know our guy Kennard is ranked uh two hundred and fifteenth. And we mentioned before Kennard seemed like he was on like not a bad team, but like an average kind of team, I would say. Uh a lot of people were doing a lot in his game and you could just tell. I mean, Kennard's got size. He's got the size. Uh he's every bit of what we heard about in some of the tweets about his game that he literally is doing everything all the time. He is, uh, you know, he was guarding Brock Harding a lot to start this game. Thought he was going to face guard him all game. Brock didn't even play that well. Uh, that just shows you how not well the Sean played as a team, but Kennard put well. I don't have a box score. I want to say he had maybe 15 points. Kennard did. If I were to go back and, uh, we know guys like, uh, What's his name? You know, Matt Powers puts on the show. Uh, Scott Burgess, he tweeted that Kennard had 13 points at the end of it, and he was making tweets. He covers, obviously, prep hoops for uh, this high school basketball. We see him there every single year. So he was tweeting about Kennard, how much he likes his – and he's not wrong. He says, first to forward, can score from all three levels, and a solid defender. A solid defender might be an understatement. That dude gets after it. And he sometimes brought the ball up. Like I said, he guarded. Brock Harding, then he'll guard Owen Freeman, he'll guard the big, like he was just everywhere. He was on the floor, he was working hard, you tell he can have that Saluki in him of working hard, and he's just a big body that can get to the rim when he wants, he can pull up from the mid-range. I'd say the three is the only thing he'll have to really work on, but it's not even that bad. He, I think he he made one of like three maybe on the day, or on the night. I'd say this was an underwhelming, it's great that he was the main event, it got us excited all night. Uh, but there are obviously better matchups. No one I were talking about, how we could have made the matchups for uh, the matchups for uh, these games. It could have been a lot better. Uh, so, but Molan was a good team, but Qatar was doing it all. Like I said, he was making his free throws. He was getting in the mid-range, getting to the rim. He didn't have any dunks or anything, but then he did have, he was just he was just working hard, and he's obviously a talent. He's three-star for a reason, and, and we talked about freshmen don't play at SIU, but depending upon a position of need next year at the wing, he's got the size, he works hard enough, and he can give us, you know, points that I he clearly can play depending upon how our team will look. He's gonna have to play if if it hits the fan in terms of bad news of not being not having the team we expect to have next year, but expect him to. And I'm I'm really excited for Kennard. It was awesome to see him play. Perfect that he was at this tournament that we love to go to and he was the main event. Like I said on an underwhelming team not a bad team obviously tough matchup but canara played really well and if his team won he would have got the player of the game they all get these you know these specific balls of mVP balls and stuff so awesome to see him play uh they're obviously a solid team and he's he's a solid player looking forward to having him in a Suzuki uniform for a long time after this year and we'll we'll keep getting updated or we'll keep updating everybody if we see it on stats that he'll have all, all year. But people I'll just say people should be excited about Cannard Davis, no doubt about it. Uh so there's that. And and by the way, we saw Coach Maman there. And I'm pretty sure he was at the U and I game. And then obviously that was a one o'clock game. Kennard played around seven or eight o'clock. They were kind of pushing pushing on time, you know, a little bit. Uh but we saw Coach Maman didn't get again that didn't get to talk to him, but we saw him. He was talking to a lot of the people on SAD during the Simeon game and he was there the final couple games or the, the last two games before that. So we know Maman has ties. He was the one of the DMing us about Kennard. So obviously he's got, he's Kennard's guy. We didn't, we left before the end of the game was over, uh, but we didn't see like them dap each other up or anything. Uh, But obviously it's good to see J- Jamon or coach Maman there. And because he's obviously a big reason why Kennard's here, I'm sure. So he does a, J- Javon does a great job. Phenomenal job in recruiting, getting this kid in, and it was cool to see him there. So there was that. So I'll talk about the games that are tonight before I dive into the Sycamores here near the end. Uh There's actually one going on right now, obviously, and some just tipped off, I want to say. So, like I said, games tonight, games tomorrow. uh Like I said, the one I'm watching right now, Belmont, at the 17-minute mark in the second half. Belmont is up 11, 47-36 at Valpo uh drake down five early 15 50 mark in the first half to uic on the road mentioned drake's not a good road or not a good road team we'll see at that if uic beats them that'd be incredible only a five point deficit so far and then murray and uh you and i just tipped off two to two to early in that one and then tomorrow's game along with ours missouri state at illinois state two and a half point favorites for missouri state on the road expect them to win uh and then Bradley is a 20-point favorite against Evansville at Carver Arena. I'd say that's not too crazy. They are amazing there, and Evansville is not good. I'd say that'll push 20. I'll say the minus 20, and I'll say Bradley destroys them. Hopefully Evansville can give them a little bit of a fight, obviously. And we need some other losses here to kind of divide up the six teams that are 4-2. So, like I said, UIC can be a, be a part of that. And maybe, I mean, you and I and Murray, those are two four and 4-2 teams playing. And maybe Valfo, if they come back here, get the win on Belmont. Who knows? So those are the games. And we'll talk about the games coming up on Saturday and Sunday uh, when we talk on Friday. So with that being said, let's talk about now the Sycamores of Indiana State. I'll start off with a Ken Palm update we fell again. We were we were in the 90s after our winning streak and then fell, I think, to 170. We were probably in the 100s. I didn't look before last game. We one 117 right now. Indiana State is 107, and the only Valley teams ahead of that, ahead of both of us, are Drake at 96, and Bradley is still up high at 78. So, like I said, they'll get that big win tonight, and they probably won't move a whole lot, but there's that. And then... So the Sycamores in the second matchup looking for revenge. It's crazy how, you know, two teams that maybe expect to be in the top three or four all year, hopefully, are already getting their two games out of the way now. We know last year it came down to you and I and Loyola for it. It just worked out perfectly. They did that for a reason. It's like that just shows you how many people in the NSA have surprised so far this year, being six and zero, and you know, being the team that they are to now we were picked third and they were picked seventh. So it's like, yeah, three versus seven, who cares? Let's get their games out of the way early. And I guess that's how they're looking at it. So over them down, we talked about to the point, whenever we last played Indiana State, what what they had been doing since then. After they beat us by three at our place, they did lose to USI right after that on that Sunday in overtime. We talked about it amongst ourselves. I I think we did mention, obviously, you know, at that time we were talking about the other games and the other teams that were playing, and that's a great uh obviously sign for us. We lost by eighteen to them. They only lost by three, so it's not as bad, but just the fact that it shows you our win our loss wasn't as fluky because USI is just a really good home team. I actually think they lost there recently. SIUE beat them, I think, at their place, so that's huge. And then Indiana State dropped two in a row. Then they lost to Duquesne by six. I think they had they were down big, came back, had a lead, and then blew it, lost by six. They had a three-game losing streak. They lost to Northern Illinois by 10 points on December 22nd at home. Terrible. And that's where I'll get into the fact that Illinois, Indiana State's best wins on the year clearly was when they beat Drake by two at home in a, in a crazy game and then us by three. So by a combined to, by a combined five points, their two best wins on the whole season came in conference against us by a total of five points. And we were talking how they're not fluky by any means, but they haven't really played anybody. You know, they killed Miami to Ohio, awesome, and then they come in and beat us, which we had that game won. We blew it, you know, in the ways that we remember. Then they lose at USI and then Duquesne and then get killed at home where we think they're unstoppable also by Northern Illinois, who is a terrible team. Let me look what I is now. Or Northern, L- Northern Illinois is 4-11. And they're 0-2 in their conference so far. They had a kid did drop 32 points in that game. But either way, terrible loss. So they really... We're talking about two big Valley Leagues. And Indiana State, unless they run the table, lose maybe one or two or no games in conference, it's not going to happen. Knock on wood, just in terms of me looking stupid. But that's just so... That's crazy. I don't don't remember the last time that even would have happened. Wichita, when they went undefeated all the way up until the Final Four, I guess. Uh, And... You know, besides that, it's still going to be a one-bit value League because Indiana State's non-conference isn't great. So, I mean, they were behind us for a reason on Rocco's, maybe because Rocco looks at it as, yeah, they beat SIU, but Indiana State hasn't beat anybody all year. And that's the biggest thing. Like I said, they're not fluky. They're a great, deep team. I'll dive into them again. But, you know, the three straight losses on the road. So, or two, and then the one at home. But you can't lose to Northern Illinois by 10 at home. It's a bad loss for them. And then, obviously, they, you know, They haven't played anybody else good either. To be honest, that's the thing either. They beat Drake. They beat us. Okay, great wins, obviously, by a total of five points. Then they kill Evansville by 18, and then in January hits, they beat Valpo by 18 at Valpo, beat Illinois State at Illinois State by 9, and then just killed UIC by 20. So you're literally like 4-0 against the bottom-feeding teams literally the four worst teams in the league. And then you're two and zero against the good teams by a total of five points. So there's something there clearly that they don't they haven't had the best, you know, caliber of season, but they've won the games and winning is all that matters. You look, you look at how it happens, five total points. Other than that, you're just killing the good teams and they'll play us again. So they're playing us a second time before they even play all the other top teams. And after us, they go at Missouri State, they host Bradley, they go at Murray State, they go at Drake, and then they host Northern Iowa. So thankfully, they're now getting into their tough part of the schedule. We talked about how we're getting, we're, we're, Belmont, Murray, and Drake were great wins for us. You and I, they're in the middle of the pack. You don't want to lose by 12, but that's a loss, is whatever. You know, we're going to get, after this game, we're going to get in a little bit of our, two games of our soft schedule. And we haven't even played – we only played Valpo once, don't play UIC till the end, and play Evansville here coming up. But – so, I mean, they've took advantage of their week schedule outside of the first two and then – or those other two. So then now here they are with this tough stretch. So it's worth noting, I think, no doubt about it, that they haven't really – their resume per se isn't great. And I think that's worth noting, no doubt about it. And the recent um, – they were the automatic qualifier in Joe Lenardi's bracketology as the fourteen seed play in Arkansas. And then Andy Katz had his, and they were a thirteen seed play in Virginia. So don't expect them to win either of those, but they get to the tournament, albeit you know, this is what just these guys look at the standings and see them and say, okay, yeah, we'll put whoever's at the top right now. Uh, but that's the whole goal. I would cry if SIU, and we talked about this a lot, I would ball my eyes out just because it hasn't happened and I care about SIU so much. If they got to the, if they won the Valley tournament, and they was on Selection Sunday, you kidding me? Like that, those are the ultimate goals, ultimate goals. No matter how you do in the game, you know, Bradley almost beat Michigan State. Uh, Teams have went on run, Loyola's run, Wichita's runs. Like it can happen, and that's what March Madness is all about. Anything can happen. But that's why your resumes aren't great enough to warrant being anything higher than a thirteen or fourteen. So you play all these great teams. I don't remember what Loyola was the year they got. It. I think they were eight they were a 9 or 8 9 seed when they beat Illinois 2 years ago and then when they made their run on it and I don't even know what they were, but some teams have certain qualities, certain personnel to do it. Not sure anybody in the valley right now could do it, but uh you know, just getting there is the ultimate goal no matter how it happens against when you get in there and play those incredible teams. So uh that's the blackout cancer came is tomorrow. Uh, I'll talk. I'll get the interviews out of the way. They talked to the, our new strength and conditioning coach, uh, blanking on his name right now. Sorry, and but they talked about uh, about, and it's weird because we know Javon Shaw was our strength guy, and he left after a year. He's at Akron, I think, right now, or something. Uh, but we've been having a revolving door of this, and this kid sounds good. He said he was he was at us a lot of places. Uh, I feel disrespectful for not. Let me find his name here. Uh, And then he ended up at SLUE. he said. He did say sister school, which is good. It's uh, Colton Susan. Younger guy, knows what he's talking about, really smart guy. And he was talking about some things that he's been working on with this team. And I feel like there was something else I wanted to touch on. Like how he – you know, he was asked by Rodney how he molds with or how his connections are with Riley and other – and he went into detail on that. We did retweet it, and he – uh, Seem like, and we've seen him around. Obviously, he looks like he does a really good job uh, with our group. We know Javon Shaw got our guys buff last year, and I think Colton's going to end up getting our guys a lot more, you know, stamina based a little bit. So hopefully he can remain. We know guys take jobs all the time, but. Uh, you know, and they mentioned about a former. Rodney mentioned a former strength conditioning guy from back in the day. That's like the standard. And they said they have a picture of him in our in our weight room. That that's what he's striving to be. And I think they mentioned that he's been compared to him or something. So hopefully we can keep this guy around because he seems like really good at his job. Don't have any other, any other player interviews. We'll have Brian, oh, Brian one tomorrow. And then Brendan was on to the doghouse. And the only things I'll take from this is he talked about Indiana State. He was asked about their play style. He kind of says, yeah, they play five out. They do play five out. Robbie is around the three-point line a lot. We mentioned we joked that Brian said Robbie is a better shooter than he is anything else. And we know he's a good shooter, but he's so good around the rim and getting to the rim. That's his best quality. Uh, but they do play five out, and they're – they got great size and that's what Brennan kind of said on the teleconference when he filled it in for Brian. And then on this as well, their size that we know about and their ability to just be really versatile. And that kind of play style that Josh has brought, he says, you know, it does seem like teams are going to have to mold into that as time goes on, you know, and even all every player on your team's going to have to be able to shoot a little bit and just be that kind of player. And, they joked because about Cade a little bit that they don't want to, the guys on the in the doghouse said they don't want to. They joked about they don't want to see Cade bringing up the ball. And Brendan joked about they like won't, but he did say Cade will expand to a three point shot, which we thought he could shoot a little bit. I guess just from the mid range, but uh, obviously him saying that Cade will be better from the three point line and work on that more as time goes on is a good sign. So those are the biggest things from Brendan's in the doghouse. We did retweet it. So let's talk more about the Sycamores. more as I mentioned all the other games they've had up to this point. Beating bad teams, but two good teams. Uh, like I said, it is their blackout. I think they're having two blackout cancer nights, the next two, but it starts with tomorrow night. Uh, Julian Larry was player of the week. Incredible. I actually want to go to that and uh, look at what his stats are. I kind of mentioned it. Like The stats now, what he what they would be, wouldn't do it any justice of what he had been doing. I'll read what he's been doing over the last week and literally being... Just an enormous – he was 12 of 14 from the field and three for three from three, uh, back-to-back 18-point outings in their games. I mean, he's just been incredible, and he's been the point guard, and Josh kind of touched on the teleconference, and Brendan touched on it. He's been the point guard that they've been needing. They've been having Cam Henry kind of play that. They've been kind of finding it. We know – Gibson's been that, but Julian Larry's took it to another level. We know he's a great defender. Josh mentioned how obviously he's one of the best guard defenders in the league last year, and so far this year. It just took him a little time to get used to everything. So we are, I'll get to it, I guess, at the end about the spread and everything. Clearly, we're looking for our next win against them. Let me talk about some things from the uh, app here uh 143rd meeting we mentioned the first one we lead the all-time series still 90 to 52 Of the last 10 meetings both teams have won five uh we know we swept them last year whenever we beat all the bottom feeding teams and then now they have the win on us this year we are 32 and 36 on the road all time against them three and five on a neutral and but if we get them at home which it's crazy because we just lost to them at home we are 53 and 12 against them at home um so, and they ended the two game streak that we had against them, like I said, uh, when we played on December 7th. And we rallied back and should have won that game. I think there was a lot of coaching differences that Josh had over Brian at the end of that game. And uh, and the one thing, the biggest mention I think Brennan touched on it again is because they asked him about it on in the doghouse, that we're bigger than we were then. You know, we didn't have Scotty who could play in this game, we didn't have JD. It was literally Clarence and Troy against Robbie. So I think that is true. I just wish we had this game at home in that regard because I feel like we're, since we're on the road, it won't matter as much, to be honest. Hopefully Scotty can play, and J.D. obviously makes a big difference when he comes in against Robbie and Caleb Stevens and stuff. So um, let me get a quick update now. Or let me – let's see. Yeah, we know – yeah, I mentioned Scotty and J.D. didn't play last game. Cooper Neese didn't play in the last game. He'll play in this one, clearly. Uh, so then let me go through now – their personnel and update on who's leading them and stuff before we talk about this game and the predictions and everything else uh and i mentioned some other stats here let me see where their team is in stats and where they are now Uh, mccauley still leads them in points with 17 cooper and only two less games it's weird he hasn't missed a whole lot of games but he missed the one against us he's still averaging 11 cam Uh, Cam Henry's averaging 11, Robbie nine and four. He's leading the way for freshman of the year. Julian Larry got his averages now up to, and he's the only one that has played 17 games. At least everybody has missed at least one game, I guess. Yeah. What are they? They're 13 and four. And he's the, Julian Larry's the only one that's played 17 games at 21 minutes. He's averaging eight, two rebounds, three steals or three assists, one steal. And he's shooting 62% from the field as a guard which is crazy, and that's been because of the play that he's had lately. I mean, they're still versatile. They still get this many guys deep. And I mentioned on the previous pod that Josh mentioned he doesn't like playing that many guys. He doesn't like getting sporadic minutes. minutes. And I'd say the only guys that really don't play on this team are Cade McKnight, who's only played in 13. Zach Hobbs has played in 14. So they are going to play McCauley, Neese, nice, Cam Henry, Robbie Avila, Julian Larry, Jason Kent, uh, Trenton Gibson, who's new, like we said, Xavier Bledson, who's kind of been underwhelming this year, still her just six points. Calix Stevens, underwhelming. He took a back seat to Robbie. And I mentioned how Josh said on the previous one that like Kate McKnight was supposed to start, and Robbie's took his spot. So Calix has took a step back a little bit. They'll play, you know, they'll play 12 guys. And that's that's what's or I say 12, it's like nine, 10 guys. But still, they're deep. They're the deepest team, they're the most versatile team in the valley. It seems like, and they're obviously playing really, really well, no matter who they've been playing. They're still a full, complete team. Once you watch them in person, you can be, I know guys on March to the Arch were talking about that. They saw them in person, and you just know that they're different, that they're, they're playing really well. And they're playing the best, no doubt, at 6-0 and in the league. So let me talk about some stats here before I get to the predictions at the end. I mentioned at the at the start that them and you and I are complete opposites in terms of the stats and where they rank in the country. Uh. And it does average around 81 points a game, which is a lot. And like I said, bad teams or not, you're still putting points on the board. They're tied for 98th, so they're in the top 100 And fast break points. They score about 11. We are 128th, about ten they They're 79th in bench points. I mentioned they're very deep. They get a lot of production from their bench. We're 178th. Get about 20 bench points. They get about 25. They're 35th, they're 35th in assists with 16, tied for 135, and uh i get don't know what that number is actually when i put it oh turnovers they're tied for 135th in turnovers with so they will turn it over a little bit about 13 but their ratio is really good they're 53rd in the country in the turnover and, and the ratio cuz they're so good at passing the ball and we are tied for 230th in assist and and turnovers and 174th in assist turnover ratio They are, the thing is, they don't do is they don't block shots. They're 320s in blocks with barely over two. But we are 330s as well, barely below two. So it's pretty close, evenly matched. They are 19th in efficient field goal percentage at 56%. We are 75th at 53%. They shoot, they're 25th in the country in field goal percentage at 48.48. We are 121. They're 123rd. And I'd say the one thing in looking at all these stats now, the one thing they don't do all that well, and we know they're still good at it, they're such a good offensive team. Their defense is clearly behind their offense. They will allow points. Uh, they do allow – I mean, they they allow 34% from three, which is 205th. They're 123rd in field goal percentage defense. We're 75th, so obviously we're 55th in three-point defense. So we have them beat in those regards. Let me look to see what they are from – Uh, let's see what they don't do. They rebound better than us. They do shoot better than us. They allow 69 a game. We only allow 60. So they allow a little over what we score a game. So that's the thing, whether they'll do that at home or not. So that's the thing. They're a great offensive team, average defensive team. And that's where we got to get to them. We got to, we get, and that's the thing. They're a bad defensive team against a team that won't score. So clearly you got to just, you know, Put the ball in the basket and you're on the road, it's going to be tough to do inside that renovated Holman Center. Uh, but they're 14th in three pointers attempted, so that ties into their offense clearly. 14th in the country. They put up almost 28 threes a game, but they shoot it at a 33% clip, which is 204th in the country. Um, we are 52nd in three pointers per game at 25, and we are 280th in the country in uh, percentage at 31.5. And they don't shoot a whole lot of free throws. They're tied for 199th, and They only get about 17 free throws a game. If that averages out, we're at their 30th, though, in free throw percentage. I think that's second best in the Valley, and Illinois State's the best free throw shooting team. And the United States right behind them, 30th in the country. They shoot about 76%. We're 295th and attempts, 15, 82nd in free throw percentage, though, at 74, thanks to Marcus and some other players, I guess, uh, and Lance's recent. And they don't really rebound. They're about middle of the pack in the country in rebounding, about 35 a game. And I said, that is more than us. They're 331st in offensive rebounds. So they, they won't really crash the boards, even with that versatile size. And overall, they, they rebound, but at an average clip, you know, compared to us and some other teams. But so obviously we still got it because they'll watch. They'll rebound well in this game, but they won't. Uh, they haven't really all season. They don't really get in the passing lanes. They're tied for 116th. They do get about seven. We're, we are weak, seven point four. We're about eight on the dot, 74th in the country. And then uh, fouls. They will foul teams. They get about 17 fouls a game. We're at 16, so really almost even in that regard. So, like I said, bottom line, great offensive team, and they're average on defense. Uh, so that being said, it is a we are four and a half point underdogs tomorrow. A 68.5 percent for Indiana State in the matchup predictor. Uh and 133 and a half over under. Noah did text me his uh dog of the game was Marcus. If he said we want to win this one, and I'd have to agree clearly, they're gonna put up points. We need to score, and guess who has to lead us in scoring? It's gotta be Marcus. Julian Larry gets and let me go back what Marcus did in our loss against them previously. Um I don't really recall. Because obviously we scored seventy-one, so like I said, they'll let us put up points. Seventy-one is a lot for us, and I guess in general, their starting five gave us fits last game, and they didn't have Cooper Neese, and they're they're benched and do Stevens, McKnight, Hobbs, and Julian didn't do anything in that game. Julian's will be better. Julian will guard Marcus. Marcus did have sixteen, so played pretty well. X had thirteen. Foster had eleven. Three threes for Foster in that game, so a lot of guys need to come up big, but. I'd have to agree with Marcus and if we're going to be versatile in this game. I'd say JD he has been really good defensively and scoring. He's got to play well against Robbie and you could throw Clarence in there. if Clarence remains starting. Uh, like I said, against Indiana state, you could really say anybody. I mean, it's hard to pick one guy a lot to predict because so many people have to be big for us. I mean, who's guarding Julian X Lance, who's guarding McCauley, not Marcus, uh, someone else. Trent's going to have to be better. So, and that's the bottom line, though it does have to be Marcus because we have to score, and he's going to lead the way in scoring for us. So, uh, by the way, Belmont's up fifteen at the nine-minute mark in the second half. I think Drake's still losing to UIC as well. So, we'll cover all these when the time comes. So, yeah, and I want to say, and Noah took the Noah. will take Indiana State minus four four and a half and the over. I have to agree with him. I think we honestly don't win this one. It. And it's it's hard to say because I was wrong against Murray and hopefully I can be wrong again in this one. Both games on the road. I just think they're too tough and they're gonna be too much for us offensively, even for our defense. So their defense is fine. They will allow us to score, it just matters if we'll do it or not. And I do think this game will get in the one thirties potentially. I think they can score easily in the seventies and I don't think we can be able to play that game with them. We did at home, but not at third place. It will be tough. So I'll predict a loss as well. It'll be a tough one. Imagine winning this game, though, getting to five and two. They're getting to six and one. And you call yourself right back into the race and you're only two games back. But splitting with Indiana State is huge for tie-breaking reasons. I mentioned the stretch Indiana State's going to have. You just definitely need to win this game. And it's going to be hard, rightfully, minus four and a half. And I agree with Noah Dog of the game with Marcus. He's just got to do... A lot. So looking to get back in the win column. Uh, after this game, we host Illinois State and, and Evansville. So they're not going to be easy games, but just games you know you have a great chance of winning. Uh, and that shows you. That's why you and I was so important, because if you won that one, know that you're, it's going to be tough with this one, that you'd be still sitting pretty with those easy games coming up. After, after tonight, though, I think our next road game is at Missouri State, which is tough. So that's why you can get the win tomorrow win the next two and then have the flip the flip of the coin at Missouri State like it always is for us as well so it'll be tough it'll be a fun watch tomorrow hopefully we can get the job done to get back in the wind calm and stay near the top of the standings and get our much-needed revenge on the Sycamores that we need when we blew it against them hopefully and we'll see if they can prove in sweeping us they have a really good chance at it that they start playing the good teams here, and we'll see what they're made of. But they are definitely no fluke. They are really good. Like, we'll find that out tomorrow. They will score points. So, again, we'll talk to you guys on Friday when we recap this game. Keep in touch with our tweets tomorrow throughout the game. before When we recap on Friday and then preview Illinois State, looking forward to it. Maybe we'll have both of us. If not, oh, well, let's look back to get a win call tomorrow. 6 o'clock game because it is 7 Eastern. So six o'clock for us, ESPN plus. Stay tuned, everybody, for like I said, half games tonight, half games tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we can get the win. So until next time, as always, this was Nick Malone, Go Dogs.